Be kind. Be kind. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says this. This is the Christian Standard Bible. Uh, I just discovered this. I love all different kinds of translations. I've got a Bible software program. It's probably got about 50 different Bibles or more. And uh, I know there's some people that it really rubs them the wrong way if you don't read King James and uh, only. If you're that kind of person, I hope you can be happy here because I, I love King James. But I also love the other translations. Some are more accurate than others. I get that. I get that. But just because there's one inaccuracy in one translation, people throw it out. Well, then you're going to have to throw out the King James as well. Just saying. Because unless you know Hebrew and Greek, those are the accurate translations. Thank you. (laughs) Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. This is the Christian Standard Bible. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not rely on your own understanding and all your ways. Know him, and he will make your path straight. God is in the business of making paths straight. He will make your path straight. It's easy to go through life, and it's just crooked as all get out. Uh, but God will make your path straight. Uh, before I talk about us walking in kindness, I think the number one thing is to know that the kindness of God. God is kind. And uh, Titus chapter 3, verse 4 and 7 says, But when God our Savior revealed his kindness and love, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth, a new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ our Savior. Because of his grace, he made us right in his sight and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. His grace made us right in his sight. I am so thankful that we are made right in the sight of God because of grace and not because of us. Nothing we could do. For that to happen. Romans 2.4. This is the Passion Translation. It says. Do the riches of his extraordinary kindness. Extraordinary kindness. Make you take him for granted. And despise him. Haven't you experienced. How God. How. I'm sorry. Let's back up. Haven't you experienced. How kind and understanding he has been to you. Don't mistake his tolerance and acceptance. Do you realize that all the wealth. Of his extravagant kindness is meant to melt your heart and lead you into repentance. His kindness, the King James Version, we're talking about that, says his kindness causes you to want to repent. It's his kindness that causes you want to repent. And the kindness of God will melt the hardest of hearts. The word kindness has been translated in Galatians 5.22 from the Greek As choristos, it means a softening or mellowing of something that was harsh. The kindness of God will do that. It's not in our nature to give such humble, merciful kindness to people who don't deserve it. It's just not normal for us to do that. But 
We have been given the most wonderful kindness from God and his son, the gift of his spirit. And so the word repent, I've said this many times here, but if you do a Strong's Concordance and all of the, uh, the dictionaries of the Bible, the word repent, I was raised to believe that it just means to ask for forgiveness. And that's part of that word repent. But that's not the main definition of the word repent. The main definition of that word is to change the way that you think. To change the way that you think. To think differently. To reconsider. To think more what God thinks than what you have been thinking. So when you sin, you've been thinking a different way, and that really caused you to sin of your wrong thinking. Are you following me? So you sin because of your wrong thinking. God says repent, which means to do a 180 and think the way that I am thinking. Change the way that you think. Repent. It's a powerful word. It is such a powerful word. And if we repent, we have to repent all the time because of our thinking. We think wrong. And I don't know about you, but I, when I was raised in church, I, I didn't think God is being kind. Isn't that a terrible mentality of God to think that, oh, yeah, he's kind, but I don't know if he's kind to me or not. I don't know if God's kind to me. And if there's been some bad things that happen, if you were raised up in a harsh past or a terrible past, terrible parents, terrible circumstances, you may think that, well, if God's kind, I sure didn't experience it. And so today, I want us to repent, change the way that we think about the kindness of God, because God is very, extremely extravagant, kind towards mankind, all of us. So uh, people refuse to accept that the goodness of God is sufficient motivation for people to turn from sin. People just don't want to accept that. They insist that fear of punishment is a greater motivator. And there's a lot of religious people who have that mentality. Fear is a greater motivator than the kindness of God. And that's why the news is such a fear motivator, because it drives people. They want to listen. Oh, what other bad thing's going to happen? It, it, it motivates you. And fear is a terrible motivator, but it does motivate people. And yes, it motivated me when I was seven years old. The preacher got up and he taught about uh, if you don't believe in Jesus, you're going to go straight to hell and you will burn forever. And he talked, man, I mean, just adjective after adjective, you know, and just blew this up. And I'm seven years old sitting on the edge of my seat and I'm thinking, I don't want to burn. So when he said, everybody stood up and he said, if you want to give your life to Jesus, I don't even know if he got it all out. I'm down the aisle. Nobody hold my hand or nothing. A little seven-year-old boy run down there thinking, I don't want to burn, don't want to burn, don't want to burn. Fear motivated me. It motivated me. But this is the problem. Those motivated to seek God because of fear, if they didn't, they will cease to be motivated when things are going well. When things are going well, you think, oh, everything's good. No use for me to seek God. And then they become the ones who only pray when they are in trouble. When something's going wrong, they call out to God. And that, that's been me before. How about you? And the good news is he doesn't say, 
Hey, is this the only time you're going to call out to me? Is when you're in trouble? No, you know what he does? Come unto me, all you that are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. I'm so glad he's not like some people, you know, that you know that you maybe shrug them off for a while, and then they don't give you the time of day. God will always give you the time of day. He will always bring you in. He will always bring you in. Listen to this uh, statement about kindness. Kindness is humbly giving of ourselves in love and mercy to others who may not be able to give anything back, who sometimes don't deserve it, and who frequently don't thank us for it. Basically, kindness means a way of thinking that leads to doing thoughtful deeds for others. The great thing is this is how God thinks about you and me. He shows his kindness, even though people don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. But God has and always will show his kindness to you and me. But I do think we can repent or think differently to cause that kindness to be manifested more often in our life. Let me say this. God is not withholding kindness from you and me. It's just not his nature to do that. Kindness is something that he gives even when we don't deserve it. I'm going to say it again. Kindness is given to you and to me even when we don't deserve it. Thank God he's that kind of a father. I said, thank God he's that kind of father. Woo! Man, I mean, when you're growing up, you do something wrong, you get spanked, you get punished, and so you just, we're driven by punishment, we're driven by fear, and we're driven by, if I don't do right, you know, I know fear is coming and everything, and, and people who use that to get people motivated to serve God, there's a problem because the Bible says in 1 John that fear is a torment. Fear, there's torment and fear. God does not want that in us. I get a little ahead of myself. Romans 2, 4, the Amplified Version says, Or are you so blind as to trifle with and presume upon and despise and underestimate the wealth of his kindness and forbearance and long-suffering patience? Are you, listen to this now, listen, get this. Are you unmindful or actually ignorant of the fact that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repent, to change your mind and inner man to accept God's will. Man, that is so good. That is just like what repentance is all about. That is what repentance is all about. But let me just say this. When it comes to repentance or anything in the word of God, you can't live on yesterday's word or yesterday's revelation. What do I mean by that? You know, in the children of Israel, they came out of Egypt and they were in the wilderness. God says, gather the bread, the manna, daily. Gather it daily. Don't try to live on yesterday's manna. Don't try to get enough for tomorrow's manna. Just live on today's manna. There's been times in my life where I had a revelation of the healing word of God. And then you, so you think, I've got it. Well, we do have it. But listen, you can go throughout weeks and months and years and never think about that or kind of lose that 
revelation. But mentally, it's still up here. But it's not in your heart still. Does that make sense? You can have things in your mind, but it are not in your heart. That's happened to me about healing. It's happened to me about a lot of things of God. It's also happened to me about the kindness of God. Just because I knew God was kind 10 years ago, is it still in my heart that God is kind and wants to show kindness to me today and every day of my life? You need to think that way. And if you've not been thinking that way, you need to repent. You need to think differently. And listen to me. We let circumstances dictate to us how we think. Something bad happens, then you think, well, God's just withholding his kindness, or God's doing this, or something's going on. No, you're thinking wrong. Remember, repentance means you've been thinking wrong, and to repent means, okay, I'm going to think the way that God thinks about this situation. It's a powerful tool. It's very, very powerful. So for me and you to see more of the kindness of God manifested, which he's already deposited into you, by the way. But if you want to see that manifested at a greater degree, then you need to repent or think the way that God wants. God, man, he's just looking for ways to show his kindness to me today. I just believe God is kind to me today. You get a flat tire. I just thank you, God, that kindness has been shown to me. Not because of the flat tire, but in spite of the flat tire. I said in spite of it. I'm not going to let this tire or I'm not going to let this person who was rude to me, I'm not going to let this circumstance dictate to me or change the way that I think about my Heavenly Father. He's kind. Hallelujah. Ephesians 2.6 For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and he seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus so God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us as shown And all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. Throughout ages to come, we're going to see continually the wealth of God's kindness toward us. There's a great example of this in the Bible in 2 Samuel chapter 9. You know, when we were in Bible school, you know, they taught us a type and anti-type. You know, there's something that is, in other words, a picture of the reality of something was to come in the future in the New Testament. So uh, in 2 Samuel, there's a story where David, you know, Saul was king and he was killed. And, you know, how Saul and his family really came against David. And Saul tried to kill David and David was running from him, hiding in caves and everything. And as far as God was concerned, David was anointed king even before it was manifested that he was known as king throughout the world. God said, you're king. And so Saul was trying to kill him. So there was great friction between the two. But Saul's son, Jonathan, he loved David. They were best friends. To the degree that David and uh, Jonathan cut a covenant. 
Now, when you cut a covenant back in that day, you would either give them like your belt or the sword on it. You would give them something and they would give you something, but you would also make a mark somewhere on your body with a knife. You, you would cut your skin. I'm so glad we live in 2021. I mean, I wouldn't have, no, I'm good. No, you got to cut something. Nah, yeah, let's just call it good. But you have to, and this is the reason. Because uh, in Africa, I tell this story back in the day, you know, there was this really, really weak tribe. And uh, so they cut a covenant with this big, strong tribe that were like major soldiers and just had a, all of the goods and everything. So they cut a covenant with this big tribe and famous tribe. And so like on their hand, they just get a knife and just cut right down and yeah, ow. And, but then, and they would do stuff to it to make sure it's scarred. <laughs> yeah. Now, yeah, ouch is right. I would just say, give me something, put me to sleep, and wake me up when it's all over. But anyway, they did that. And this is the thing. When a, 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 another tribe would come to attack them or want to try to steal from them or anything, they'd raise up their hands to show them the covenant that they were in with this other tribe. So the enemy would go, okay, about face, and turn around and leave because they knew if they attacked that weak tribe that they would be attacking the stronger tribe, and that stronger tribe would be coming after them. Man, isn't that good? You know what that's a picture of? That's Jesus and me and you. He's the stronger one. All we have to do, I've been crucified with Christ. In the spiritual realm, listen to me now. In the spiritual realm, your hands are pierced. Your feet are pierced. You got a cut in your side. In the spiritual realm, you're just like Jesus. I have in Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. I've been what? Crucified with Christ, Paul said. But nevertheless, I live. Yet it's not I that's doing the living. It is. Christ in me. So in the spiritual realm, I'm pierced just like Jesus. I've been cut in the side just like Jesus. But just also like Jesus, I've been resurrected to a new and living creature for always victorious in the sight of Almighty God. So anyway, David, getting back to my story, David and Jonathan cut a covenant, put a mark on themselves, exchanges. Everything that was David's now became Jonathan. Everything that Jonathan had now become David's. So they were one together, all right? So at this particular point of the story, Saul has been killed along with Jonathan. They went to uh, war, to battle, and both of them were killed in battle. So David is made king in 2 Samuel 9.3. Then the king, David, said, Is there not still someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God. Ziba said to the king, there is still a son of Jonathan who is lame in his feet. Now listen, this is a picture of, of the type that I'm going to tell you. David is a picture of God. Jonathan is a picture of Jesus. So God and Jesus went into covenant together. 
The whole crucifixion and all of that was the cutting of the covenant between God and Jesus. The reason God had to make a covenant with a man on the planet to get his will and his ability, his authority, his power, and who he was on the planet, it had to come through a man. He knew that you and me would mess that up. Everybody should just say amen to that right now. You and me, if God cut, listen to me, if God cut a covenant with any of us, would we be able to keep up our part of the covenant, our deal? No. In other words, to to walk without sin, can anybody do that? To come up to God's standard, you couldn't do that. So God covered a covenant, but the covenant that he cut was with Jesus. So you have David and Jonathan who cut a covenant, all right? And we, well, let me keep reading here. So on this covenant, and just so you know, that's Jonathan means gift of God. So David says, is there anybody in the house of Saul, which Jonathan was the son of Saul. Jonathan was the gift of God, just like Jesus was the gift to mankind. So... um, We are Mephibosheth. That was Jonathan's son. The story behind this is this. When David became king, Saul's family thought David was going to kill us all, so they ran. And so um, the maid or this woman's servant picked up Mephibosheth. That was uh, Jonathan's son, Saul's grandson. And she took off running, and she stumbled and fell and dropped the baby. And he, something happened to his legs. They were broken or whatever, and he was lame his whole life, couldn't walk. So you follow me? That was Mephibosheth. So he was lame, broken. God is saying, just like David said, is there anyone that I can show kindness to? Is there anyone that I can show kindness to. And they said, Jonathan has a son named Mephibosheth. He's lame, he's broken. You and I, before Jesus came along, we were lame and broken as far as God was concerned. We couldn't walk in this life with any kind of victory whatsoever. We were lame. And David says, is there anyone that I can show kindness to? 2 Samuel 9, verse 4. So the king said to him, David said to him, Where is he? Where is Mephibosheth? And Ziba said to the king, Indeed, he is in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, in Lodibar. The king David sent and brought him out of the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, from Lodibar. Now can you imagine when all of these Chariots and horsemen came up to the house of Mephibosheth, and they knew it was from David. What do you think was going through his mind? Well, he caught up with us. We are so dead right now. I mean, I'm I'm sure fear just grabbed a hold of them. And they said, Mephibosheth, yes. Pick him up. You're coming with us. And you're coming to see David. 
Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David, he fell on his face and prostrated himself. Then David said, Mephibosheth? And he answered, here is your servant. So David said to him, do not fear, for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake, and restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather, and you shall eat bread at my table continually. This is a picture. David being God, Jonathan being Jesus. And he says, don't fear. Mephibosheth, he's saying this to you and me, don't fear. Because I'm going to show you kindness because of Jonathan's sake or because of Jesus' sake. Listen to me. The kindness of God, no matter what you do, does not make you have the availability toward this kindness by anything that you and I have done or can do. Did Mephibosheth do anything to get this? He was lame. He was broken. He couldn't do anything anyway. But because he was the son of Jonathan, that made him qualified. (laughs) Because we are of Jesus Christ, believers in him, we are qualified to be recipients of the kindness of God. And listen, David... He was searching. He wanted to show the kindness to the family of Saul. He wanted to show that. He looked for it. He sought out Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth did not come looking for this. David sought him out. And he found him. He says, now, Mephibosheth, you're going to eat at my table. We are eating anytime we want at the table of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the presence of our enemies, God prepares a spread, a table for us. It's communion. To show that we are part of the family of God. To show that we are of the same tribe, the same bloodline of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So, this is why I conclude with this, this part of the message is, we can be kind to anybody and to everybody because of his kindness being shown to us and deposited in us. Colossians 3.12 says, you are always dearly loved by God. You know, that's the number one thing you got to get into you. I'm dearly loved by God. Just from time to time, I just say that out loud. Mike, you're dearly loved by God. God really loves you. You're the favorite, Mike. You're the favorite. You are always and dearly loved by God. So robe yourself with virtues of God. Because we're loved by God, therefore, we can walk in the virtues of God. Not the other way around. We're walking in the virtues of God because we are loved by God. Since you have been divinely chosen to be holy, be merciful as you endeavor to understand others. 
Be merciful as you endeavor to understand others. We're always trying to get people to understand us. And to be honest, it should be the other way around. And be compassionate. Showing kindness toward all. Be gentle and humble. Unoffendable in your patience with others. You think, I don't know about you, but you, I, I, nah, I'm not getting in that line. I'm not getting in that line. Unoffendable, showing patience and kindness and grace toward everybody. Come on now. I know it's Christmas, but some people think, yeah, we're supposed to do this during Christmas. Thank God it's only one day. I had to do it for, I don't even want to do it on Christmas Eve. Let's just keep it Christmas, okay? But none of us could do that. And none of us would want to just say, yeah, I'm going to do this. I'm going to press in. And we try to do that in the natural, don't we? You hear a message about kindness, you think, okay, this week I'm going to be kind to everybody. And about 4 o'clock Monday morning or Monday afternoon, you're done. You know, I'm done with this kindness stuff. It's because you're trying to do it in your strength and my strength. Is that not right? You need to repent. I'm not going to try to be kind to people by my perseverance, by my uh, just tenacity to be kind to people. I'm just going to know. What you're going to do is repent and say, the kindness of God is inside of me. It's inside of me. And he put it there, even though I don't deserve it, therefore... I'm going to let it manifest to people who don't deserve it. This is powerful. This is so powerful. I don't think we read it all, did we? Verse 13, did we read 13? Tolerate the weakness of those in the family of faith. What? What? Tolerate? Yeah, tolerate the weakness of those in the family of faith, forgiving one another in the same way you have been graciously forgiven by Jesus Christ. If you find fault with someone, yeah, I found it. If you find fault with someone, release the same gift of forgiveness to them. For love is supreme and must flow through each of these virtues. Love becomes the mark of true maturity. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 says, love is kind. Love is kind. So what you have on the inside of you has the ability to make someone's day, to make their week, their month, or even life because you allow the kindness of God to come through you, out of you, to show the kindness of God. I read this on Facebook, so, you know, it's just real close to, like, the gospel. (laughs) For those who don't know me, that was a joke, okay? It says this, what is my purpose in life? I ask the void. What if I told you that you fulfill it when you took an extra hour to talk to the kid about his life? Or when you paid... For that young couple in the restaurant. Or when you saved the dog in the middle of traffic. Or when you tied your father's shoes for him. 
Your problem is that you equate your purpose with goal-based achievements. The universe isn't interested in your achievements. It's just your heart. When you choose to act out of kindness, compassion, and love, you are already aligned with your true purpose. And there's a lot of truth to that. Galatians 5, 23 says, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. I like the way the passion does this. It says, but the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love and all its varied expressions, joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action. Kindness in action. A life full of virtue, faith that prevails, generous heart, strength of spirit. Never set the law above these qualities, for they are meant to be limitless. All of us can be stressed. All of us can be stretched. And we have people that we've come across that are like porcupines that are always maybe poking you. But this is the thing. The kindness of God is greater than the porcupine. The kindness of God is greater than any circumstance or anything that can come up against you. We have to rethink or repent the way that we're going to let kindness. It's easy to be kind to people who are kind to you. Come on now. It is. But God, we're not like the world. We are not like the world. We can be kind to the tremungeon. Is that what they call older people that are grumpy? <laughs> what do they call young people that are grumpy? There should be a word for that because that happens too. <laughs> but we, we have the ability to be kind to those who don't deserve it. Who don't deserve it. Why? Because God is continually kind to you and me who don't deserve it. There's so many times that we look at doing big things, successful things, that the world would take notice. God is just wanting us to do our daily things, being kind to that one that could impact and maybe change their life. It's his kindness that brings us to a place of repentance, of thinking differently. We all have that ability. Every single person in here has been gifted with the gift of kindness. It doesn't cost you anything to be kind to people. But it does and can cause us people's life to be more valuable and so I'm just wanting to encourage you to repent to think differently 
about those people that you're going to come in contact with during the holidays and all the days of your life. Could be an elderly person who doesn't have love shown to her. You know, most of the people who are grumpy or whatever, it's because they just don't have a revelation of the love of God. And you and I can show them that revelation by being kind and thoughtful toward them in the midst of their grumpiness. So I encourage you. Let the kindness of God come out of you. It's in you. Galatians 5, 23. He's deposited kindness inside of all of us. We have the ability to do it. We can change our city one kind act at a time. One kind act at a time. The love of God wants to do that through you and me. Amen? Let's stand. Praise God. Let me pray for you. Father, I just believe in Jesus' name for the gift that's been placed in us, the kindness to be manifested, and not only to those who are kind to us, but there's grace on all of our lives. There is grace upon all of our lives that can let the kindness be manifested to those who don't deserve it. And in our mind, we would think that they don't deserve the kindness that I'm going to show to them. But instead of thinking like that, may the grace of God remind us that the kindness that God has shown to us, we didn't deserve it either. So we are just passing the kindness and the grace of God along to those that are around us because that's what he desires for us to do. And we have the ability to do that. So we thank you for our church family. We thank you for those who are watching that you will show them the grace of God and that they will repent and think differently and the kindness of God to be manifested in their everyday life. In Jesus' name, amen.